You know what the first law of the Haitian Revolution was? The first order, burn the island to a crisp. And that's just what they did. They burnt the entire island. Then they told the French, all right, let's go. We're going to tango now. Because <laughs> so it's a fight to the death. Either we win or we die. There is no in-between here. Anyone who knows anything about law knows burning property means absolutely nothing. When the Germans were advancing on the Soviet Union, Hit Stalin gave the law, burn everything. Don't let them get nothing. It was the Soviet Union they were burning. It was their own country. They just want to put property value above you and confuse you. Oh, they're burning their house. They don't even belong to us anyway. Well, burn them. Look here, for my freedom, I'll burn anything. You understand? I wouldn't even think twice about it. You understand? So uh, don't let them confuse you. Resistance is growing, and they're trying to stop it by confusing you, which you burn in your own buildings. I'll burn your mama for my freedom. <laughs> you must not let them confuse you at all. Of course, this rebellion in, in April has a lot to do with the struggle that we're involved in. We work for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. Ours is a revolutionary party. We've showed you we're not, integrated, we're not, we're not interested in integrating into the capitalist system. We're out to destroy it. We've already understood it to be an anti-human system. So we're not discussing, we want it, we're going to destroy it, that's all. So we don't run for the Democratic Party, not us. We're not running for mayor, not us. We're only running for one thing, revolution with a capital R. All right. I want to dedicate this joint right here Jonathan Jackson and George Jackson. Peace to those brothers. Wanna shout out my man Sharon the Worm. 80 years. Come on, nigga. Come on, niggas. Oh. I just burnt my American flag and sent three cracker Nazis to hell and I'm sad. Hello and welcome to the Burn It Down Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hezekiah. Along with my friend, Liv Seaman. Say hello, Liv. Hello. Today, we're going to be interviewing our friend, Levi. Levi, will you tell us your full name and where you're from? Uh, I'm uh, Levi Leibowitz. Uh, I'm from kind of all over. I was a Navy brat, so I grew up all over the place, but I currently reside in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That's cool. So, what would you say your political affiliations are? Well, if you had to throw a dart at a political map, I would probably end up somewhere off the board to the left side. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just shy of, like, Supreme Communist, I, I think would be probably the most apt way of explaining it. Cool. <laughs> um, would you say... You said you were a, a, a Navy brat. Um, yep. So, would you say uh, you're... What was it? Your your dad, your mom, who who was in the movie? No, it was my dad. Okay, so would you say your your dad's uh, <clears throat> service influenced you at all, uh, as far as your political leanings go? Um, I don't think so much. Uh, not in any real tangible way. Uh, mm. I think it might be more apt. So I I come from a military family in general. Um, mm. my dad was in the navy. My Uncle was in the Navy. Uh, I believe. What? I'm. I'm not sure if, if either of my grandfathers served, but I know that. Um, also, both of my brothers were in the Navy. Um, 
my brother-in-law is in the guard. So, like, very, very involved military family. My mom was ombudsman in the Navy, which is kind of like event coordinator for different um, detachments and groups and stuff. And my sister actually does uh, family readiness for uh, families of National Guard members right now. So, very military-involved family. And I think that as an adult, uh, the interactions I've had with my siblings concerning their current and their previous service has kind of helped shape me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I hear the uh, the uh, assumption that most military people are conservative. Would you say that about the people in your family? Um, yes and no. Um, actually, pretty much all of my Navy family, I would say, is more on the liberal side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, my brother-in-law is, is fairly conservative. Um, but like, I, I mean, my oldest brother was a translator in the Navy for a while and he's, he's ended up somewhere close to the moderate left leaning a little bit Mm -hmm. range. And then my other brother tends to have some leftist leanings, but, uh, is more in the liberal range. I would, I would guess at, and then I'm not entirely sure where my sister stands, but she's somewhere between my mother, my moderate brother and myself. Uh, it's always interesting, um... It seems like the Navy and the Air Force are the two branches of the military where, where people are always more liberal than they are conservative. Uh, I don't I don't, I don't really know why that is. Uh, if I had to take a, stab, a stab at it, I would think it's probably somewhere along the lines of the mentality and the doctrines that you're taught within each of those institutions. Like... Um, the Navy wants, I mean, you know, military in general, you go through boot camp so they can quote unquote break you down and build you up to the best version of yourself, right? That's the whole idea behind boot camp. We know it's indoctrination. Whatever. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> um, but after that, in the Navy, it's just respect the chain of command, do your job, and do what you're told to do. Whereas in the Marines and in the Army, and again, I'm not I'm not shit-talking any individual person in any of these branches or anything, but yeah. uh, the more gun-toting, chest-beating, you know, hey, you gotta be tough, you gotta be, you know, violence is like kind of part of their MO, mm-hmm. that, I think, skews the big difference. Ah, interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, you put it that way, it does make sense, you know what I mean? Because, you know, you, you figure... You figure a lot of a lot of the people in the in the uh, Air Force and Navy, they they're like not only are they not like gun in hand all the time, they're like more reliant on other people too. So it's yeah, less they're, they're definitely chain of command desk jockeys. Like that's a lot of what they do. Yeah, a lot more yeah, bureaucracy so, so, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liv, you have anything? Um, I, I'm I'm curious too. Like, uh, Levi, like, where where all did where all did you live? Like, did cause you, did you hop around a lot? Like, did you know? I'm I'm curious, I'm always curious. <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's go way back. Um, when I was conceived, my fa- actually amusingly funny story. Thanks Saddam Hussein for me, um, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> my dad was actually um, home from deployment and. Uh, was scheduled to have a vasectomy, but his doctor, military doctor, Navy guy, uh, actually got deployed for, uh, was that Desert Shield? Desert. It was was Desert, whichever one was first, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, I don't remember which. But he was actually actually deployed because of Saddam Hussein. 
you know, and his crazy antics over there, or, you know, as we know it now, the uh, U.S. imperialism on the march, whatever. But the vasectomy ended up getting delayed, and uh, here I am. So, uh, yeah, but uh, at that point in time, um, my folks lived in San Diego, moved to Albuquerque. No, not Albuquerque. Where was it? Somewhere in New Mexico. I don't remember exactly. I wasn't born yet. So that was New Mexico, and then shortly thereafter, um, back to Huntington Beach, California, which is where I was born. Um, And then we moved to Everett, Washington, and then mom and dad split up, and mom pretty much picked a point on the map that ended up being a tiny little town called Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, which is in the middle of bumfucked Egypt, right outside of Williamsport. Um, And then in what shortly after 9-11 I moved back out to live with my dad in Bremerton Washington Mm. so I've been kind of back and forth between the coasts and then at some point in high school I moved back out here and here I am oh wow that's wild that's that's, I mean like uh, uh, do you think um, do you think any uh, like what was it like going from I know where Jersey Shore is like What's it like going? Was it like that's kind of like rural, kind of like it is. That's it's Trump country these days. Yeah, and then like and then West Coast. Like I, I just I assume they're like you know like more liberal and more happy. Did that you know? Did that? How did that inform you? Like you know your perspective, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely had uh, a hand in it. Um, I noticed, even at a younger age, uh, having started school in in Everett, Washington, um, and then moving to Pennsylvania, uh, my classmates in in Washington, it was a cultural mixing pot. You know, I went to school with with black kids, with with Asian kids. I went to school with, you know, people who were strong Catholics, people who were practicing Jews, like, all over the place. It was was a a very definitive cultural melting pot. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, we were a little bit closer to the coast there. Um, Eastern Washington is, is kind of rural as well, and you get you get a lot more into the uh, Confederate flag waving over there, which is really confusing, considering that wasn't even, like, a colony <laughs> or a state at that point. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that had nothing to do with it. People take their ide- ideologies with them. But, um, yeah, yeah, and then to, to Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, which um, is, un- unfortunately, it's just, it's white as fuck. Like, yeah. that's the only way to describe it. It's their, their mountain folk, their, you know, uh, Jersey Shore, the little town itself was actually founded as a logging, just a little logging town, um, where up Pine Creek, they would float the logs down uh, the river. It's a branch of the Susquehanna there. They'd float them down the river, and then they'd pull them out and load them onto, you know, trucks or wagons or whatever right there in Jersey Shore. So it was, it was an industrial town, and then uh, the steel mill was built I don't even know how long ago, and that was, you know, a big industrial center for the longest time, and it's still, there's a lot of manufacturing jobs in that area, but not much else. Um, mm-hmm. So, you get the, the, the working class, not as much uh, higher education there, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, you get, it's just pockets of hateful white people. So, growing up around, you know, being in the like really because when when you know at at that age like race wasn't a thing that i had even considered like my friends were my friends but it didn't matter to me where they came from Uh you know what i mean and then to to come out to to rural pennsylvania where it's just like i you know 
and I, I hate to fall back into it because like the, the mindset there is completely um, detached from where I am now but the mindset is is like Jersey Shore is a white town and you know well Williamsport is more black and culturally uh, diverse and that's it's 12 miles away you know but it may as well be a world away to somebody who doesn't have a means of transportation and like there's nothing to do in Jersey Shore but interact with people. Like, there's there's no sporting events to go to. There's no, you know, hey, let's go to the mall. There's nothing. It's a tiny little town. Yeah. So, like, just the... And I was talking to a friend the other day who still lives in that area, and she said she was driving through, and it's just Trump signs on every lawn. And it's, it's insane to me to this day uh, how small-minded places like that can be because uh, actually Hunter S. Thompson lived in Jersey Shore for a period of time. Oh wow. One of the things that he wrote about the town is that the world may as well have moved on and forgotten about it for where it's at. Like and that's it's it's true because there's it, it was built by the, the industrial revolution. It was built on industry and manufacturing and it just kind of stayed there. Yeah. There's there's factories galore, you know, you can work at West Pharmaceuticals, which is, you know, kind of does what its name implies. There's first quality products right outside of Jersey Shore that does any broad range of paper products or uh, you know, they have a diaper factory, they have um, like adult incontinence factory, they have a non-woven, so like dryer sheets and tampons and, and bed uh, bed liner, bed pan liners, stuff like that. They do water bottles, they do paper towels, like they've got huge manufacturing out there but mm-hmm. there's no cultural centers. Like, there's nowhere to go and just be part of something. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot so, of bars. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's that's the other thing. Is like, there's a lot of bars, but not a lot of stuff open after the bars close. So, you know, I worked I worked in the middle of town at the little gas station there, and, you know, it'd be two in the morning, and, and the bars close, and it's the only place in town that's open that serves food. It's the only place in town that's less than a 20 minutes drive to get food that's where everybody went after the bars closed so i interacted with all of the town drunks you know from from the age of 19 uh and i was i was pretty much like the only sober person in the entire establishment (laughs) (laughs) wrangling this big group of drunken babies and it's like you know i i had early interactions with with the police and seeing how they were kind of a tool of enforcement where it's like you know there's not shit else to do so the cops would come and sit in my parking lot and then just wait for people to drive by and then pull them over for whatever reason. And then on the flip side of that, I saw where people not having anything to do, not having way, any ways to enrich themselves, would just go out and do stupid shit. And, yeah. you know, pretty much, like, it's it's hard to land on one side of the coin or the other where do you stand with the police charging these people for doing stupid things or do you stand on the side of the people who deserve more who should be given more if we spend more on the community and give them a place to go and things to do they won't be out doing these things like how do you leverage that oh yeah yeah. I mean that's that's pretty much the, the whole thing about uh, the ghettos and, and inner cities like they, they cut all the programs they take all the sports out they take away the playgrounds and everything and, and you wonder why all the kids are committing crimes you know what I mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a shame like they don't have anywhere well, to go that's, they don't have that's anything to do like that's one of the bigger things is that like it's it's not just you know the the kids doing things to get by there it's more so like a lot more of what I saw was like 
the good old boys who mom whose mom and dad would buy them these big stupid trucks or you know hey here's a beater vehicle that mom and dad paid for and they would just go up into the middle of the mountains there's a place called bull run out there where you know during the summer and after it rains most of it is like this wet swampy area and they just go beat their vehicles up and destroy them and then bring them back and then mom and dad fix them and it's like there's there's no it's like the complete flip side of it where it's like you know mom and dad are probably not very wealthy but they're still going to give their kids everything that they can right. and the kids aren't seeing the hard work that goes into it and not appreciating the hard work that goes into it and at the same time destroying it yeah and, well if i had something to do like and that's 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 where i'm on the fences it's like should i be angry at them for not appreciating those things or should i be sympathetic to them for not having the enrichment you know and that's because that's, you know, yet again, another thing that my, you know, my stepdad once said, you can always tell a girl from Jersey Shore because she's pushing a baby stroller because there's nothing else to do. Like, and, and you just, you, you become a statistic. Like, I, I had a kid at 16. Like, you become a statistic because there's, you know, nothing else to do. Oh, yeah. That's how it was where I grew up, too. Like, they, we, we pushed for, like, a skate park, but we were already bad kids because we were skateboarding. And it's like, no, that's when everybody was good kids when we were pushing for a skate park. And then they were like, yeah. up on us and it's like okay well all, like literally 80% of my buddies moved straight to heroin and like bur- like robbing houses and shit and it's like we said we needed something to fucking do <laughs> like yeah it's yeah, like, like the last week of a couple of guys that bullied me in high school getting arrested for selling bath salts and I'm like that's really funny but also really sad yeah wow. yeah it's like when, where I grew up uh, they took all the basketball hoops down you know, on one of the playgrounds and in black neighborhoods, if you're not playing basketball, I mean, there's really shit to do. You know what I mean? So a lot of kids got into selling drugs and, you know, they all went to jail and shit. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really a shame that pe- people say they care about their children, but they don't. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the biggest indicator of it is what are you doing to enrich their time and mm-hmm. keep them away from these activities? Yeah, this it's just you know it makes me mad too because like uh, I know it's like in in my town it was skateboarding like that was a thing and our friends they were like out there applying themselves putting all this energy in this like you know like pushing themselves past obstacles to try to do better with this one thing and like just so much like unharnessed poorly directed kind of energy that could have gone into something so much better if you know it would have been allowed or directed appropriately like it's just a fucking shame and it's so predictable like it's mm-hmm. so predictable ah frustrating does that like um do you think that that sounds like that like what like played a big role in like shaping you and like you know your beliefs that's would- part of it I think I realized more that that had to do with shaping who I am now once I got out of that situation. Mm. So, uh, in in 2012, um, I, I had cause to move away, and I ended up moving to the Harrisburg area. Uh, my brother took me in and pretty much said, hey man, we're going to get you on your feet, let's get you a job around here, and let's, you know, let's make something of you. And he pushed at me for a long time, um, and, you know, I wasn't wasn't really ready to grow up immediately and it took a lot of uh fighting back and forth and um a lot of personal growth and 
amusingly, part of what what kind of I, I guess you could say radicalized me, part of what really brought me around to giving a shit about politics and giving a shit about uh, looking at the the injustices and finding ways to address them uh, and make make fun all you want was actually Tumblr, like you know. Oh, yeah. Because there's there's such a wealth of information on Tumblr, and you know some some of it is like total cringe culture, where you're just like, okay, that thing should just go to a corner and die and never be addressed again. <laughs> but uh, Tumblr is actually where I learned about Bernie Sanders for the first time, even prior to him running in 2016, um, and learned about his his platform and the things that he was doing there. And I'm like, man, this this seems like the right thing. Like this seems like something that's worthwhile and something that is good to do and uh one of the things that my brother in in trying to uh i guess you could say culture me a little bit one of the things he introduced me to uh i don't know if you guys have ever heard of alan watts yes i have okay so um in what 60s 70s he was a professor and a philosopher that was very well versed in a lot of different world religions and a lot of different um philosophies and stuff and um basically a lot of what what his, what youtube has done with his clips is they there's a, a plethora of things that you can just absorb of his out there there are full lectures that you can listen to um but there's also this kind of subdivision that is mixed with uh what's called chill step so they call it philosophy step where it's like really chill downbeat dubstep music and then within they give you bits and snippets of some of his lectures and you can just you know you have time to just sit and absorb it you don't really need to super pay attention to it but it kind of gets the gear turning and uh, you know being exposed to the different uh, ideals and mindsets that he kind of espouses uh, brought a lot more of my worldview because you know seeing seeing the piece on tumblr was definitely uh, okay I need to pay more attention to the US politics and like to what's around me and then listening to Alan Watts kind of helped me go oh it's it's more than about just our country like we have to look to the world around and to humans in general like look to the human connection and that's how you're gonna fix everything else oh cool wow yeah that's that's huge my gosh i mean it sounds cool and like yeah oh wow <laughs> it's interesting here that uh the internet is is what helped you to reach the leftist identity you have because i mean i feel like pretty much everybody we've talked to has been the same thing uh would you say the internet is is the reason why you know i mean most of us are the way we are now because i mean i don't think we would have met each other if we weren't for the internet so yeah maybe maybe the internet is a good thing after all (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) i mean i think at the end of the day you can look at the internet as you know, a neutral tool and how you use it depend determines whether it's good or bad, or or the intention with it to be good or bad. But yeah, I mean, it, the internet in itself is is bridging gaps in humanity that we prior couldn't have even dreamed of. You know, we didn't. The, if you don't know that there's an issue with something, how do you know to fix it? You know, yeah. and uh, like a lot of what I listen to now is, is a lot of philosophy-based stuff. There's a couple different podcasts that I take in that basically break down uh, different philosophies and kind of set them up and explain them in ways that are uh, a little bit easier for layman consumption. Yeah. 
because uh, you know I'm kind of dumb, so uh, dumb it down for me and let's get it. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of the stuff that I've been like taking in lately is is kind of looking at when society and culture builds itself up to a certain point. At some points, it starts to cannibalize itself because it maximizes in some things and just doesn't understand how to fix the underlying issues because they become such loftier goals. And we see that with capitalism right now. Like, yeah, where I was going to say. It sounds like that's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because like the people at the top are just you know looking to increase their wealth and increase their wealth and increase their wealth. Like they're in such an echo chamber and such a, a completely separate uh, place from us. Like you couldn't talk to a senator today and just say hey what do you think is a good monthly budget to set aside for groceries for a family of four yeah give you an answer they have no idea because it's not something they have to worry about so how are they supposed to know how much they should send out for a stimulus check how much are they supposed to know it's going to be enough to help you and me get through this pandemic yeah they've got no connection to it Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's 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 really telling that uh, I don't know if you remember, but uh, Mnuchin said that you you should be able to survive for ten weeks off a twelve a one a one time payment of twelve twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, that that in itself is insane. <laughs> it's so fucking disconnected from reality. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was like, the most. That's that's that was, that was like. I was beside myself when he said that. That, that was crazy. <laughs> you can barely survive one week with that. Yeah, yeah, for real. Like, hey, I got bills to pay, dude. Like, mm-hmm. got a mortgage, got a car payment, cell phone. Like, let's go. Like, that's you got half of it there. Let's <laughs> pony up the rest, fam. No, and that's you know, there's there's it makes the existence of people like Jeff Bezos just dragons sitting on gold hordes like their entire existence is violence against people that don't have that money because if, if you have it and you're not doing anything with it that's yeah it's it's neglect it's it's the rail car like you know you're setting up the rail car situation the, the, the thought problem or the pro, what is it the thought experiment you guys know what i'm talking about the trolley problem yeah yeah okay whoever you on board yeah okay so you're setting up the trolley problem and literally the only thing you have to do to flip that switch is, hey, spend some of your money. Put it back into the economy. Spend some of your money. Give it back to your workers. Hey, spend some of your money. Do fucking anything with it and you'll flip this lever and, you know, help people. But yeah. they can't or won't do it. And the only thing that they do, oh, we're going to donate it here so I get this tax write-off so that I don't have to pay even more not having to pay taxes. What? Like, it's, it's so... Oh, that, that, this is this is the hot button thing for me. This gets me angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, you, you definitely preach them to the choir, man. Yeah. And then and then it's even worse because there's people like us who who are defending it. You know what I mean? Oh, defending yeah. billionaires. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't understand. They worked hard for that money. Listen, you, can you tell me how much <coughs> how much hourly you deserve? by having built something if you're no longer contributing to it like mm-hmm. I, I get wanting to reap the benefits I understand that completely but when you have employees that are on governmental assistance because you just can't be bothered to fucking pay them mm-hmm. I'm sorry but it's time for the guillotine that's yeah. right yeah 
Yeah, it is. And want to, you know, they're they're so anti-union and they're so, you know, oh well, they they deserve these things. Like, listen, the union workers in the twenties didn't revolt and riot, and you know, it used to be that that the the owners of these production lines would be terrified of their workers busting down their door and fucking killing them. So they listened to them and they said, okay, we're going to give you a fair hour work week. Okay, we're going to give you a fair fair wage. You know, and you know, fair is a relative term, but better than it was and these days they're they're catering to a workforce that not only won't threaten them but defends them yeah mm-hmm. it's insane i wonder if that like but isn't that kind of like i feel like that's being pushed though like the whole idea that like well if you work hard enough you know when you finally work hard enough you'll you know you'll become one of these uh millionaires and become one of these rich people you'll get whatever the boss has like and then and then people are ashamed they're like they're ashamed for their station because you know obviously they're not working hard enough i read somewhere that that poor people don't view themselves as poor most of them view themselves as temporarily embarrassed millionaires nothing is as hard as that statement because i like i was driving through um like past Liverpool earlier and seeing all of the rundown houses and seeing that you know it's not a very wealthy area like right there along 15 like there are literally falling apart yep and it's Trump country yep and Trump is giving tax breaks to the rich people he is not giving you a higher minimum wage that will help you fix your work your rundown house and you're I don't uh, it, and it's it, I I I have a hard time parsing the thought that it's not his economic beliefs that they're behind. Because it can't be. No, it's not. It's, it's not. not remotely that. It's the, hey, we're going to just say whatever we want to say and it's okay because the president does it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of that I've recently figured out for myself that um, they just don't like liberals. That's, that's, just, that's pretty much all it is. We hate the liberals, and so does the president. So we just gonna vote for them. That's, pre- that's pretty much all it is. I've done the research on it. Trust me. Yeah, but I've been on YouTube. I know what's going on. Q and A on top. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's pretty pretty much the only thing it is is he hates liberals. I hate liberals, and it's really a shame because like you would think that it would. That people would want to vote for their best interests, but the problem is nobody has their best interests. You know, what I mean, out for them. Like the Democrats aren't offering anything either. So yeah, wow. it's the other big problem. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the other fire of my soul right now, Jay. You just hit the nail on the head there. The Democrats are just diet Republicans, like that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like we, it's it's written into the Constitution basically, and Jefferson was fond of saying like, "Hey, at the point that your government stops representing you, you you should replace them." And like, we have all of these Second Amendment enthusiasts that are like, "Oh, well, you know, we gotta save our guns in case the government comes and takes our rights away." Well, fuck, Bob. Like, what are you? Now's the time. Like, get yeah. your guns. Get- Let's go. Don't march on the fucking people protesting against it. March with them. Go what? fix shit. But no, we're going to defend Kyle Rittenhouse, who likes to shoot people, because oh. he was out there defending his homeland. No. 
wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was looking for a fight, and this is that's the whole mindset of the entire thing. They all have this hero complex where they're, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to save the U.S. from these liberals who want to change everything, and burning down buildings is not the American way. Really? Because didn't we, like, I don't know, start a whole fucking war? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing, man. It's amazing. A whole bunch of government property because, uh, no, we're not paying your fucking taxes, King George. Yeah. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> right? Black it, go somewhere else. Uh, no. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I just had a, a argument with, with one of my libertarian friends, and he was saying that like it's it's Black Lives Matter's fault that that uh, <laughs> that Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, shot up a whole bunch of protesters or whatever. And I was like, I was like, dude, but but like you you acting like people are just protesting for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it wasn't for the, the cops killing people, it wouldn't be any riots. Mm-hmm. You know yep, and that's like that, that chain of logic. You want to say, okay, well, Kyle wouldn't have been there if the protesters weren't there. Okay, protesters wouldn't have been there if Black Lives Matter wasn't there. Okay, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter wouldn't have been there if a police officer hadn't fucking killed somebody. Yeah. Okay, sense. Like, okay, so let's blame it on the police fucking killing somebody. Actually, let's go a step further back. Let's go to, what is that, qualified immunity? Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Be, like, we have to hold our civil servants accountable to their actions. And that includes all of them. That's from the lowest of your post office workers, to the police officer, to uh, your senator, to the fucking president, to your Supreme Court justices. Like, all of it. Yeah. They all need to be held accountable to their job and their station and the laws that they are ultimately either enforcing or writing or interpreting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. And there's no accountability anywhere. Well, we can't, we can't, you know, bring charges against the sitting president. That's unprecedented. Well, yeah, because at this point in time, we didn't have evidence that anybody was a fucking crook like this guy is. Like, it's the mental gymnastics required to understand that whole mindset. Yeah. It's absolutely exhausting. Yeah, and now he's, like, breaking laws left and right now. And they're not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi is still writing letters. Oh, God. He's <laughs> mail for re-election because he knows the second that Biden's inaugurated, he's going to get put in the handcuffs and taken to jail. Mm-hmm. Like, and that in and of itself, like, Bernie touched base on it, and he he's like, I mean, we got to be careful about doing that, because that sets a precedent for arresting the prior, you know, uh, resi- residing or incumbent. Like, yeah. that is a dangerous, slippery slope. However, that's not a reason to not do it. Yeah. You just have to be aware of it and temper it. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, I, 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 I'm of the, the the belief that that Biden would just pardon Trump, but he's not. He's still gonna be on the hook for all the shit he did in New York. So he he might go to jail anyway. Right. Uh, Things unrelated to yeah. No, but the whole tax returns thing right now. That's another thing that's cooking. And like these the, the the people who defend him, despite all of that, it's like. 
how how does somebody get to be such an untouchable figure even though at every turn they're showing you who they actually are and everybody's like no it's it's like it's such a complete disattachment from reality yeah like it's 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 been like mind-blowing to me just how much the right wing can just create their own reality while calling us fake news Oh well, that's not my opinion. That, no, we're discussing facts here. I don't care about your opinion. Well, you, no, it's my opinion that those facts are fake. Um, but they're 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 facts. Like what? <laughs> like that that was a that was an argument I got into with some family a long time ago. Was that opinions can be wrong if they're based upon facts and the way that you're interpreting them. Like people don't like being told, yes, your opinion can be wrong. No, this is the U.S. I can have my own opinion and it's unimpeachable. No, that's not the case. If, if your opinion is based upon something factual that is agreed upon by people who know what the fuck they're talking about, and your opinion is, oh, well, I disagree. No, your opinion is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not based in facts. <sighs> oh, I have that argument a lot <laughs> with right-wingers, and it's... Yep. Oh, uh, man. It's, it's really... You know, discouraging. You know, because I, I I really don't want to argue with right wingers anymore because it's not getting anywhere. Like maybe we need to argue better. Like I, I don't I don't know the solution. No, no, because it's it's been shown that you can show them the facts all day long. You can lead them to the facts. You can help them find the facts themselves. And all it does is reinforces their wrong facts. Like they're they're their own set that they want is what they're going to take no matter what if they don't to see differently and they don't they're not going to there's there's literally nothing that we can do yeah like i mean we as as leftists we as politically into politically active individuals can push to make sure that we are getting the people around us to be active and you know getting the people who aren't necessarily that far gone um you know, we can we can do better to educate our kids. We can do better to educate our friends. Uh, like you said, you you have that you have a coworker who you know hasn't voted. Like those are the people that we can spend the time to uh, educate and show them why it's worthwhile to get involved. And hopefully, we can show up with the majority and get rid of things like the electoral college. We can get rid of Jim Crow era things like the the super majority filibuster requirements. Like. That stuff is it's unnecessary at this point in time, and it's not representative of what we are as a country. So, moving to that point where uh, you know we have more representation, we have better and more uh, intelligent and intuitive representation. That's the direction we need to go. This isn't going to be a quick argument, and then oh, okay, you were right. I changed my mind. Like, yeah. there's nothing we can do along those lines. We need to look to the long term, and we won't have a long term if things keep going the way that they are. Like, this requires action. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Yeah, we all we're all gonna disagree on what that action is, you know. Yeah. I, I'm of the mind. Let's let's get the armed militias together and let's go marching. You know, let's put up the guillotines. Let's take you know, and it, for your crimes against the the people of the United States, like I'm totally okay with with starting to just fucking take the heads off of anybody who is treasonous towards the U.S. And I'm talking about, you know, any congressperson who accepts money from super PACs or accepts money from companies to vote against the interest of their people. Mm -hmm. Like, that's treason. I agree with that. Just 
for the Constitution, the, the punishment is hanging. Okay, hanging or beheading, it's your choice. I don't have a great preference between the two. Mm-hmm. But let's get this show on the road and get these people who are basically just sitting on top of this hoard of gold because that's you know look at look at the median wealth for for your congress those people are not again they're not connected to reality they're millionaires mm-hmm. and the millionaires take money from the insurance companies and they take money from the gun lobbyists and they take money from you know all the different pharmaceutical companies like and they just line their pockets with it and it doesn't matter they're, because it's never been made to matter they don't face charges for it they don't you know nobody takes them to task over it they're hailed as oh great people oh Barack Obama such a great person listen he's an imperialist just like the rest drop bombs on little brown kids across the world that's a fucking problem mm-hmm. like and then we have we have actual people who are fighting for us like Bernie Sanders like AOC right and they are being you know labeled as quacks and loonies and being forced out by the establishment of made up of people who fit those other categories the millionaires the people who do take that money the people who would not benefit from that presidency mm-hmm. and then we have the people we the people the citizens going yeah you're doing the right thing like I just I can't man yeah 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 it's it's really frustrating but but at the same time would you would you say that uh, that you find that more people are being are being awakened quote unquote because I feel like I feel like we we weren't as aware as we are now you know what I mean like the pendulum has swung mm-hmm. a lot of people are, are, are uh, like if you're a billionaire you you should probably be a little nervous you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, no, I disagree with that. Um, I think that you know it's it kind of comes in pieces because like right now, as you know, millennials, we're we're coming into the driver's seat. You know, we're we're trying to push our geriatric parents out of the driver's seat and say, no, stop, you're going to drive us off a cliff. Like we need to get back on the road. Yeah. And then we've got Gen Z screaming in the back seat. You know, yeah, fuck Trump. Like, oh, let's get the tickets for his rally. Like, it's hilarious shit. And in a sense, it's activism. And it's like, yeah, we need to get back on the road. But it's not like they're not quite ready to drive yet. So yeah. at this point in time, you know, we, it's its our generation. We're waking up to it. And we're seeing, oh, fuck, we're about to drive off the road. We need to get in the driver's seat now. Yeah. And I think that that's because there, there's that imperative. But I'm not sure, not having experienced it myself, I'm not sure if prior generations have had that same kind of thing. But at this point in time, you know, if, if I'm going to continue the analogy here, at this point in time, like, I feel that this is probably the furthest off the road that the U.S. has been. Yes. Uh, you know, I, 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 I hesitate to even make that comparison because we did have, you know, horrible things like slavery, like Jim Crow. Like, those things were absolutely problematic. And I hate well, to phrase I, I would, it. I would say in the, pa- in the past 100 years, this has probably been the furthest off the, you know what I mean, as far as economics go. I mean, it was the Great Depression, and that's, you know, yeah. coming up upon the, the century away from that, but, like, it, at least within living memory, like, this is one of the, the worst and biggest issues that we faced, and it's, there's there's a giant cultural divide, there's a giant economic divide, like, there's, a, there's an absolutely insane economic divide, like and it's it's not even uh you know half and half or anything close to it like you know you all hear about the one percent like imagining like thinking about that if the rest of the people who are on the bottom part of that 99 percent pulled their heads out of their asses if all of them collectively went wait what the fuck no 
and fixed it, there'd be a whole different thing. But you know, if there's again, those people are like, oh, he worked hard. Yeah, okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <it's... laughs> I just, I just feel, I just, like I said, thank God for the internet because I've noticed a lot more people are, are of the same mindset that, like, hey, wait a minute, man, what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, why, why do these motherfuckers have so much money and we have so little? Like, I feel, I feel like a lot more people are coming, you know, to that conclusion. But the problem is we're all just so disorganized and, and we're still fighting fighting one another. You know what I mean? Yeah. And until, yep. until we we actually get organized around, you know, at least one single idea, uh, I, I don't think anything's going to get done. But, you know, a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people are starting to wake up. Yeah. No, I don't think that it's it's necessarily something along the lines. I don't think it's so much that we need to agree on what the problem is, because we all agree. I mean, even left and right, for the most part, agree on what the problem is. You know, shooting somebody for no reason is wrong, right? That's we all we all agree on that. But when you paint it into different situations, okay, shooting somebody who is just standing there living his life is wrong. Shooting somebody who is fearful for his life and, you know, uh, resisting arrest, well, that's when you start to get into, well, he shouldn't be resisting arrest. Well, yeah, they shouldn't have shot him. Like, okay. So when you start to look at different cases like that, that's that's when it starts to fall apart. And then the other half to it is the way that you address and fix those problems. You know, do you end qualified immunity? Do you spend more money on the police officers to get them, quote unquote, better training? Um, you know, how do you fix those problems? That becomes the divide. Yeah. You know, um, I, I've, I've even noticed, like, talking to people in my rural area and, like, trying to, like, find some common ground and, like, apply to some, like, appeal to some kind of humanity that may have, like, it's whatever, whatever ideology that Trump just, like, maxed like grew into this like fucking great monster i swear to god uh you can't you can't eat like i'm just snow up in my area like you can't have a conversation with someone because they like they're at the point where it's like uh you know hum- there's, there's no humanity there's no humanity and like you can't even use like basic uh, basic like arguments and appeals to humanity with people like at all like they're just completely fucking zonked out with their uh with their brainwashing i guess <laughs> No, that's that's absolutely it. Um, actually, amusingly, um, and I, I think that we may have spoken on this in the past, but uh, for anybody listening, um, part of the reason that I ended up as part of this group is uh, actually uh, Brett. I don't have you guys had Brett on the show yet? No, 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 I plan on it. Okay, okay, you got to get him on the show. So uh, Brett, who's a close friend of all of ours, and uh, by marriage relation to Jay, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Okay. Um, he came into a restaurant I was working at, and yeah, he was a regular there. We we chatted for a while, and uh, the one day he came in, and I just kind of leaned across the counter to him, you know, like halfway joking, halfway not. I said, "Hey man, how do you feel about punching Nazis?" And he just kind of he looked at me, he's like, "Uh, well, who's <laughs> asking?" I'm like, "I am," and he's like, "Yeah, okay, I'm for it." So like we had a discussion on punching Nazis, and like 
in my mind, that's the answer. You can't. You cannot argue with with people like that. You cannot argue with a fascist because yeah. to do that is to give them a platform, is to allow them. Because most people don't actually know what they think until they say it out loud or they have an argument about it, right? Mm-hmm. So when you give a fascist that platform to have that discussion, and here's why I think that you know we should well, white nationalism. Like no, shut the fuck up. Like bleed out. You know, fucking take this trainer and think about it the next time you think to open your stupid mouth with your stupid, hateful ideals. And then you get the, the uh, people on the opposite side who are like, well, you can't combat violence with violence. I'm like, listen, he wants me dead. Yeah, that's what you do. I'm wrong. All these are the same thing. No, they're not. Fuck you. Yeah. Gaslighting motherfuckers. Oh, my God. And that's that's kind of the thing, too. Like, um, I, I just even noticed, like, like... One reason not to engage with these folks in like conversation is if they if they can't like just see the worth of like a human being like then like you know like uh, don't don't engage them because when, like you said whenever people speak their minds like whenever it's out and open like I know I hear like uh, interviews and stuff on the radio where people were talking about like white supremacist groups and all the shit and they won't they won't talk about like their manifestos or ideology or anything even to criticize it because it might like lure somebody in or something like that but like yeah. it's yep. just cancel it silence it nothing <laughs> don't engage you can't engage with it at all yeah so, like when I talk to like some of my, my liberal friends about this podcast in particular they always say well why don't you have any Trump supporters on <laughs> and I'm like First of all, I don't know any that would want to talk to me. And then yep. second of all, like, I don't want that shit on my show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. They don't, what do they have to say? I know what they're about already. Like, it's, 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 I don't want to listen to that. I, I don't want my audience to have to listen to that. You can go find whatever they're, they're talking about on Fox News. Or, yeah, or yeah there's an entire branch of this fucking country where you can yeah. go and engage with it if you want to. Yeah, yeah, you, you can find out all the opinions on Breitbart and, you know what I mean, this Prager University, all that bullshit. Go to their websites and you can find whatever you need. Yeah. And see how fucking bad shit crazy they are. We're not going to have that shit on my, I'm not giving them a platform on my show. Fuck yeah. Nope. And that's the thing, like Richard Spencer, he got fucking clocked and then fell off the face of the earth for a little while and then came back saying some shit like, I'm backing Biden now. Like, okay, we still don't give a fuck. You're still a Nazi. So, like, that's not the, the people, but you get the people on the right who are like, look, a Nazi's now supporting your guy. I'm like, was he a Nazi when he was your guy? <laughs> because. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. That's what happened uh, last time with, uh, Remember they they were saying that David that David Duke was was hurting Trump. So then at the end of the election, David Duke was like, oh, "I'm a Hillary supporter." <laughs> did, did anybody hear that? No. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's like insane. Right, it was like right before the election. He was <laughs> David Duke was saying, "Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> Like like clearly aware of what he was doing. You know what I mean? Because everybody knows who David Duke is. Yep. You know what I mean? So, yep. Yeah. 
I don't think that flipped the election at all. I don't think anybody cared about that. But like, it it, it, it just reminds. It's going. You know what? I'm going to vote for this woman. Like that. That's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or I'm not going to vote for Hillary because David D. <laughs> I don't think that flipped the election at all. I just thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. <laughs> uh. So, so um, give people like David Duke that platform. They're just gonna do anything that they can to try and try and you know get their their influence out there, and it's yeah, yeah, like pay attention to me bullshit like <laughs> so um how's how's your uh your quarantine been uh what's a quarantine i've i've been working through the whole thing man like i was yeah. in the fitness industry and we didn't we didn't slow down yeah um I, back at the beginning of it um like i so the restaurant i work for is a local owned place we're a little place and uh we slowed down for the first week or so at the end of March. It was like the last week of March we slowed down, and since then we've been pretty steadily busy and increasing in sales over last year. Like, I hate to say it, but this has actually been good for us. Mm. Um, and at the same time, like, we're encountering a lot of uh, issues right now where nobody's looking for work right now, which is kind of insane when you think about how many people were... Uh, you know, uh, either laid off or lost their jobs or haven't been able to go back to work and how, you know, uh, Congress let the you know, the benefits of unemployment lapse the way that they did. Like, mm-hmm. it's insane the number of people that aren't looking for jobs right now because you'd think you wouldn't be able to hire or anybody because you're just, like, the job pool is so oversaturated with applicants, but that's not even remotely the case. Mm-hmm. And it's, right now it's kind of affecting us because we have... Uh, I think seven total employees and like Tuesdays and Thursdays four of us work the whole day so it's it's to the point where it's like we're spread a little bit thin but business hasn't slowed down because we like we our transition over to takeout was really easy um, to start with even if our customers were dining in we pretty much packaged everything up to go anyways so all we ended up doing was moving our tables off to the side and just went to a carry out only and we're still like i mean we could do dine in but we have no interest in it right now whatsoever we're still 100 percent carry out yeah so but i mean I, there was uh actually somebody kind of close to me i'm not gonna name names but somebody close to me um actually ended up testing positive and there was a scare there where uh we thought that uh you know i or my wife may have been infected so i was out of week out of work for a couple weeks for that uh and that you know i'm still trying to recover on you know bills and stuff and just getting back to balance after that and you know my wife was out on maternity leave we had we had a little boy uh he's actually four months old yesterday um and like she was out of work so kind of trying to juggle everything and balance everything has been has been tough so like you know if you're looking for the people who would really benefit from a stimulus package it's not only everybody but each and every individual person mm-hmm. yeah. yeah right mm-hmm. no the reason why i asked you that is because you know uh i pretty much asked everybody that you know about how, how their their uh, COVID year is going <laughs> <laughs> And uh, 
Do you think things would be better if if Trump were in office? Can you say that again for me? I said, do you think things would be better if it weren't Donald Trump having the COVID response? Um, yes and no. I think in general across the U.S., uh, things would probably be better as far as, like, uh, pandemic response, as far as the Republicans in the Senate blocking the post office. Did you guys see that? They blocked the post office from sending out masks. Yeah. Because they didn't want to incite a panic. And, you know, even Trump downplayed it all. So now we have this whole subset of people who have an alternate set of facts going, oh, well, it's not that bad. Look, Trump said it's not that bad. And then, you know, the, the what was that? What's his name? Woodward. His interview came out with Trump saying, you know, hey, yeah, I know these things. I'm just downplaying it because I don't want to create a panic. Like, mm-hmm. they don't change their opinion on it, even when their, their puppet master says, you know, hey, this is actually the case. But I will say that for the most part, at least in uh, where where I live and, and around here, um, Governor Wolf's response definitely had a big hand in, and I mean, even even the Secretary of Health, uh, Dr. Rachel Levine, like, those two and the way that they handled the pandemic and instituting the lockdowns and instituting, you know, all of the protocols and everything they did when they did, I think definitely saved a lot of lives. So, um, I think that's a case of the overarching U.S. in itself had some pockets of really bad response florida being one of them new york city being another like really bad response um and that could have been you know imagine a different president in those shoes let's look to the ever eloquent you know obama if obama were in office he had the pandemic response team he would have shut everything down and that would have been you know the the biggest thing that we could do for it so if we had somebody uh in office i think that the u.s as a whole would definitely have benefited from it but as far as my direct area i'm not sure that it would have made much of a difference either way uh even though now you know uh governor wolf is facing his uh lockdown being called unconstitutional by the courts which you know hey okay that's if that's their interpretation that's their interpretation but um it did save lives and that's something that i don't think can be i think that that looks to the more go ahead and impeach him go ahead I mean, at this point, it's already saved the lives. Like, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, right. fast. and that's, I, I think that this is a really good thing to point to, to say that sometimes uh, morality and legality are two completely separate things. Yeah. Go ahead and impeach Wolf, y'all. Go ahead, you fucking idiots. <laughs> Go right ahead. Yeah. I don't because these are the same people crying about oh my freedoms and like you know because they're being forced to wear a mask when they already have to cover 90% of the rest of their body right (laughs) that's that's something I've never been able to wrap my head around I'm like I get that it's uncomfortable but fam I work in in a kitchen I work right next to a hot oven and a hot fryer all day long and you want to throw a fit about the 10 minutes that you're in the grocery store like Come on. Yeah. Just grow up a little also, bit and get yourself. Also, it's getting cold, yo. The, the mask, yeah, I mean, it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, I was outside doing trash last night. It was pretty nippy. But the mask, you know what I mean, kept me warm on the face. Yeah. There you go. I mean, you know, like, I have a beard. So, like, <laughs> double it up on that yeah, face. Yeah, I'm- if you're thinking, you're thinking practicality here, you know, uh, wintertime. Yeah. Let's go. 
I always think it's funny too because I always worked like uh, like jobs as machinists and I'd work with like you know you had to have the proper PPE and like I would I would be like a hundred plus degrees in like whatever spot I'm working in and so it's like yeah you wear a damn mask now everyone's like fussing about it it's just like well fucking excuse me like this shit's meant to keep you safe you just fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. and, well, and that's I think that speaks to the core conservative values of not giving a fuck about anybody else because like you don't really see liberals and leftists fucking it too hard like you know libertarians sure it's government control we gotta fight against it okay cool whatever take your Legos and go play um, but like the the idea that my mask protects you mm-hmm. that's something I can get on board with like I am my brother's keeper in my estimation. It is my responsibility to make sure that the people around me, whether or not they live in my household, are taken care of. And like, especially working in food service for as long as I have, like I'm ServeSafe certified. I'm a very food safe, uh, like food safety is at the forefront of my mind, whether I'm at home or I'm at work. Like uh, I'm sure it probably drives my family nuts. Like there are certain places I can't and will not eat because I, if I can watch them make the food and I see they're doing it wrong, it's, it's going to freak me out. Like I'm, <laughs> things so like uh there's there's a pizza place uh in my area and i'm not gonna name it it's it's not what we're here to do but basically they um since the whole mask mandate came down they don't enforce it and so their employees don't wear masks and they don't make customers wear masks in there and i'm like i i kind of started the conversation i was like but when you're working in food service and you're selling food your number one priority even beyond how good your food tastes should be how safe your food is to eat yeah. And if that's not your concern, then you should not be in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then conservative people going, oh, well, if you don't like it, just don't eat there. And I'm like, that's that's fine. I promise I won't. But also, like, there are other people who may not know these things or consider them that should be aware of them. Yeah. Well, if you don't like it, just don't eat there. Okay, I heard you the first time. Like, <laughs> they just become this, like, repeating cycle of, like... Yeah, but the problem is you eating there. Then you yeah. come around other motherfuckers, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I wonder if this ties back in some way, and because like, I remember even like the machine shops I worked in and stuff like that, there would be people that would have like they wouldn't wear the right PPE, and like they'd have like rashes, and their nails would be clubbed, and they they were it was obviously to their detriment that you know because they weren't wearing the right PPE, and that's always been a spirit everywhere I worked. Like you know, people don't even know like. The, the material safety of like data sheet stuff like for like the chemicals they're working with and there's this this willful ignorance culture that's I think kind of always been there like this I've seen in my manufacturing machine shop experience and like now it's being like blown out with this COVID thing but like I always I always wonder like going back to like the the working class communities that like you know we've we've uh grown up in and what have you and it's it's always it's it's always kind of it's always kind of been that and i always thought it was like a lack of education and you know when you're not getting paid right like i i remember being young and seeing these people like okay you're not educated you are working your ass off and you don't have the time to be in the loop and like just like it's like is it like a poor people's problem like, is it a working class problem? Like, you know, does it go back to there? Do you think there's an origin there? I think that it kind of hits on a whole bunch of different um, things. But uh, actually, this is something I was that uh, one of my podcasts that I listened to recently touched on. And it was actually to kind of relate it. Um, it was uh, to do with hockey. 
And when players in hockey started wearing helmets, it was an optional thing. And a lot of people didn't wear them because they were afraid that their teammates or the other team were going to make fun of them. Like, oh, whatever, pussy, you're wearing a helmet. Like, and even in the interest of safety for yourself, there are people. Yeah, there are people who don't do it because of the the social reaction around it. So, they're they're fixed for it. You know, to to make it safer was to require everybody across the board to wear helmets. And at that point in time, the people who were concerned about other people's response could step away from it and say, okay, hey, I don't have a choice about it now, right? So yeah. like we're seeing that somewhat in this society but we also get the people who like there's no restrictions for it because in hockey you don't wear your helmet you can't play mm-hmm. now you know there you're gonna get those people who are you know beating their well you're stealing my liberties and my freedoms by making me cover my face and if you're gonna find me for it well that's a violation of my constitutional rights okay point to the constitution and tell me which right that's violating yeah the right i have i have the right to life liberty and pursuit of happiness but you're not wearing a mask and you have the potential of infecting me. So now you're stealing my constitutional rights. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, Levi, I want to thank you for coming on this show. Uh, it's hard to believe we've already, we're already over an hour. <laughs> you know I mean, wow. time, right, time flies when, yeah. <laughs> yeah, time flies when you're having a good time. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, last question I want to ask you is uh, I ask everybody this question. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Um, okay. What do you plan to do in November? Um, uh, This is an uncomfortable one, and it's one that I've come to terms with, the discomfort mm-hmm. of it. Um, and actually, uh, it kind of... I, I have a friend who kind of shocked me and set me in place on it. Uh, originally, my plan was to vote third party whether it was the green party or somewhere else um and he kind of put it to me he's like so listen you're saying that the republicans and the democrats are the same thing i'm like they are he's like okay and they disagree on very minor things and i'm like sure and he's like but one of them is actively killing the people in your communities and actively killing your friends and the other one is not going to be actively doing that they're not necessarily going to actively fight against it but they're not going to be actively killing those people who are you going to vote for you're gonna vote for somebody that's gonna basically and like you know it was a little bit of a little bit of vote shaming where like well if you do this you're basically allowing this to happen because uh, mm-hmm. that's the other thing it's like all of these people with the trump signs in their yards they're gonna go vote yeah that's yes. that they're gonna do it so you have to you have to have to have to show up so in in a swing state like pennsylvania which is probably going to be one of the deciding states for this election um yeah. it is in my opinion a moral imperative to vote for the lesser of two evils which is really hard to determine in this case because you can point to both of them and by no means am i defending biden i fucking hate biden just as much as i hate trump however i feel that there are policies that he's going to enact i hope and i i I hope that he will bring with him some of the more competent obama error era era, excuse me not error era advisors that will Uh, help administration (laughs) yeah you will um because there, there are people who were experienced from Obama's administration that Biden can and will lean on to set things straight. They're going to be a whole lot better than people like Paul Manafort or Sarah Huckleberry, whatever the fuck her name is. And, you know, like you get all these people, like you get actual experienced people in there. We could get back to a point where um, it's not as imperative to vote for that person next time okay now we can vote for the independent and get the um, independence a platform we can get the greens a platform but in, in a swing state i feel that it is a moral imperative to vote for biden 
if you live in a state that's always going to be solid red, then vote green. Vote independent. Vote as you will. If you live in a state that's always going to be solid blue, vote independent. Vote green. Do as you're going to do. But if you live in a swing state, it is a moral imperative at this point in time to vote for Biden. I agree. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the whole reason why I'm voting for Biden. I, I don't believe in any, any Biden policies. I mean, I'm not voting for him because I think he's going to do anything different. I know he'll be better than Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. And as a black person, you know, I talk to other black people and they're like, yo, man, this is what we got to do this time. Like, like a, a lot of black people, you know what I mean? We're just, we're just trying to survive in America. That's all we're trying to do. We, we know we're not going to get, like, the hood ain't going to get fixed. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to get any meaningful meaningful legislation on police reform or nothing like that I mean we might but we're, we, we, we don't we don't get our hopes up but we right. do know one thing the Republicans ain't looking out for us and this this right. motherfucker Trump is really not mm-hmm. uh, one last thing if I, if I can that I would throw out there is that with, with the whole situation we have with uh, Justice RBG passing um if they rush the vote, then there's a lot that could be done with a flipped Senate. You know, if we if we push and go out and vote Democrat, as much as I really don't want to, if we go out and push and vote Democrat, we could get, you know, the number of justices adjusted. We could get, you know, all of the, the sweeping change that we potentially could benefit from in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, so regardless of whether or not they, they push the vote, um, it's, I, again, in my opinion, it's imperative to get out and vote. Yeah, on the Supreme Court, there's nothing in the the Constitution that says it has to be, you know, I mean, that number. Just that number, yep. So, I mean, Biden can just pack the courts if he has a majority. Yep. So and that's all uh, we, we have to get out to that in mind. Yeah. All right, thanks a lot, Levi. Um, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, you were great. Yeah. Um, is there anything anything you want to end on? Uh, anything you have to say? I I think think I touched a little bit on everything, man. Uh, that's you know, be be good to your people, be good to the people around you. All right, thanks a lot. All right, uh, this has been the Burn Down Podcast, where your voice matters. I'm Jay Hezekiah for Live for Levi. See you later, guys. will use mobilization to demobilize us mobilization is very easy very very easy because since we're people who are instinctively ready to respond against acts of injustice anytime there's one little act of injustice we can blow it up and we'll find people who come and make some mass demonstration around it miss Sally lost a job let's rally she had a job back people will come and rally so-and-so got kicked out of school because the teachers unjust. The unjust, the people who come and rally, they will come to rally at issues. And this is what mobilization does. It mobilizes people around issues. Those of us who are revolutionary are not concerned with issues. We're concerned with the system. The difference must be properly understood. The difference must be properly understood. 
Mobilization usually leads for reform action, not to revolutionary action. If we would look scientifically at the October 16th million and more march, we would see clearly that this was a mobilized event, not an organized event. We must know clearly the difference between mobilization and organization. One of the characteristics of mobilization is that it is temporary. Organization is permanent and eternal. Clear differences must be made because the unconscious can usually be captured easily around one issue items, around mobilization items, but it's hard to catch them around organization. But these unconscious must be brought to organization. We must transform mobilization to organization. We say the enemy will come and use mobilization to demobilize us. Many brothers and sisters who've been to the Million and More March will say to you, I was there. Well, what are you doing today, my sister? I was there. There weren't too many sisters out there, but you know, with a million brothers together, you know where I had to be. I was there. Yes. <laughs> and then, of course, you find brothers, yeah, I was there. I was there. I helped give. What are you doing today, brother? If we're not careful, we allow mobilization to become events. The struggle is never an event.
wasn't noise It was that chick with some of Ignorance's boys She said, Prophet, we got you beat By the way, I'm Mr. Ignorance's wife, Deceit But enough talk now for your haircut When the clippers touched my hair, they blew the fuck up After the explosion, there was no one left Cause I know them my poison hand touch a death My vision's still kinda blurry But I see a clue, ignorance is at the library I hurry with lightning speed like the flash He's at the big one on Grand Army Plaz When I get inside, the door shut and the lights go off Damn, another trap I hear a hissing sound I smell a funny smell I gasp, I can't breathe Ignorance is laughing at me Waiting on my downfall But he can't stop the prophet Well, prophet It seems like you're in a bit of a jam I hope you can unstick yourself Oh, and what you did to my wife It was nothing I have others <laughs> The saga continues